Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 231 of The Cutback. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on this week? A lot. A lot is going on. Crazy games uh, that just happened or just finished an hour or so ago. We're recording on deadline day. Uh, the way that United Wolves game finished was outrageous, but a lot of good matches, a lot of high-scoring games. Um, only one game with no goals, but yeah, uh, record-wise, I'll go there right away. Not in a not in my favor. I went two and eight, had a stinker. The, I guess the week in advance picks isn't the move for me. Uh, but for you, you went seven and three, the total opposite. A cookout. And then Zach went five and five. So. That my new goal at the end saved you because you had United there. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll take uh, a seven and three. Mm. So record-wise, this week really tightened it up. Zach and Evan are tied, 114 and 104. And I dropped the ball. I'm now 117 and 101. So you guys are three games within me there. Kind of crazy how tight we are. I mean, th- there have been weeks where we really do vary on picks, so... It's yeah. It, I'm I'm. That's pretty. It is pretty cool to to look at that. At the end of the year, I'm really curious if we can stay positive because I just feel like there's bad shit coming down the pike. But who knows? Yeah. Well, the way my my track record's been going it hasn't been good. So hopefully, when spring comes around, things turn up for me. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, should we jump into these games? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a long one, probably. All right, um, we had Nottingham Forest 1, Arsenal 2, this one at the city ground. Uh, Arsenal breaking the curse. They haven't won there in a significant amount of time, uh, but they looked pretty determined from the off. Uh, held most of the possession, I thought, moved the ball around really well. Um, Smith Rowe slotted in there. He was playing at left center mid. I thought he actually played pretty well. Um, he's very determined. He's just a determined player. He, we saw how good he could be, um, during project restart hasn't gotten a ton of game time since then. He's had knocks. He's had, he's just been in and out of the team. Um, but Mikel, after all the talk that maybe he would leave, uh, in the, in the, this window or maybe even go out on loan. Um, I think Mikel kind of wanted to give him a vote of confidence. And to be honest with you, I'd rather see Smith Rowe in there playing left center mid than than um, Havertz. Uh, I just think it's way too far out of Havertz' range. He shouldn't be playing as a left center mid. If you want to play him forward, that's fine. But um, yeah, I, I thought Smith Rowe was great. I thought Martinelli was, again, kind of mediocre. He, he was okay. Um, but the real story, again, was Jesus, who's now, he scored. Um, I thought he looked really solid. Um, he's trying to answer the number nine problem. I still don't think he's that player. Um, but that finish, uh, in the, I believe it was around the, it was the 65th minute impossible angle, excellent finish, uh, right through the legs of Matt Turner, who continues to just really not not make a great name for himself it's it's appearing that they're going to try and make a change there at Nottingham Forest to, to cover that situation um Saka scored in the 72nd uh nice to see him get one in there that was a nice goal as well and then Taiwo Awanyi got one in the 89th but this was pretty much Arsenal all the way through 
Uh, Nottingham Forest had a couple of chances. They broke a couple of times, three shots on target, but ultimately Chris Wood, I thought, failed to make an effect. Most of the um, you know forward play goes through Gibbs White, who we know uh, can have great games depending, uh, but I think this was a pretty comprehensive win for Arsenal. 19 shots, only three of those falling on target, but the amount of possession they held in that final third, uh, you could tell from pretty early on that it was odds are they were going to be the ones to pull it out. And uh, I was very happy to see that. Even the goals Arsenal scored weren't the goals I expected them to. No, me neither. Uh, no. With the first one being directly off a throw-in from Zinchenko, a nice little turn from Jesus, and all fingers pointing at Turner. I think that solidifies it. Right there for him, his job's done at the near post, megged, and then the the second one. What, how'd the second one go again? It was a oh, it was a counter. Montiel, yep. a, a poor switch of play he was going for. He mishit it, and it was a four v two counter there. Jesus got the assist on that one. So, yeah. uh, man of the match performance for him. But yeah, it's nice to see Taiwo back in this team. That's somebody they've been missing for a very long time, several months now. Chris Wood, we know, has spurts. He's had he's bagged six in that short time and now it's cooled off a bit. So we'll see. Ty will probably get the start in the next match, probably this weekend, if not the following week. Um, but as we go through each game here, I'll, we'll probably rip on each team's transfer business just so we don't have to pile it up at the end. We'll talk about the main ones here. Arsenal, no major business. Wait until the summer. But Forrest, on the other hand, their biggest move for this window coming in, Gia Reyna. Uh-huh. for the rest of the season as well as an 18 year old forward from portugal rodrigo ribeiro um main out they did was mangala who's been a steady midfielder for them he's he's got loaned out for 11 million pounds uh he's been their main guy in there so yates is gonna have to fill in but other than that emmanuel dennis got loaned out as well as scott mckenna but what do we think about Gio reina here does he is he starting in this team like what I don't what's the move from his perspective do you think uh he said he like he's on record saying he wanted to play um creative free-flowing football so I I actually think the Dorman manager probably said like you need to go figure it out somewhere and this is just where he happened to wind up because this is not a club and this is not a manager that you would go and play like creative beautiful midfield football at so I, I I guess, yeah, he probably is good enough to start, but uh, like, does that move? That doesn't move any needles for me. Does it move any needles for you? That's just not. It's a weird one. It's Forrest have been looking for a lot of options. They did sign a goalkeeper today, Matt Sells, the old Belgian goalkeeper. So that's, I think that's going to be the, if he plays in their next game, that's going to be their sixth goalkeeper, they said, in the last 18 months. So major concern for them there, but. For Reyna's sake, there's four guys there right now that I don't think he is given good game time. You got Gibbs White at the 10. You have Elanga and Hudson Doyle on the wings. This Dominguez guy who they brought in in the summer, this summer, is pretty decent. And in this game, we saw Nico Williams play a more advanced position there too. So he's really going to be fighting for his spot. Luckily for him, he's pretty he's pretty versatile, so he can play in any of those three spots. But I don't know. We'll see when his first integration is, but he's really going to have to get the ball rolling because Forrest is in a period now where they're trying to play for survival and whoever's getting the job done is going to be getting the starts. Yeah. Um. All right. Shall we move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay. 
Next game was Luton 4, Brighton 0. This one did not go the way I expected. Um, Elijah Adebayo started the scoring very, very, very early. He's now in the top 20 quickest goals in Premier League history. Scored in the first. Um, Chiodozi Ogbene added one just two minutes later in the third. And from there on, it was pretty much Brighton done and dusted. Um, they held a majority of the possession, but it didn't seem to matter. Uh, Elijah Adebayo added another in the 42nd to seal a brace. And then right after halftime, scored in the 56th uh, to cement a hat trick, which I don't know if that was on anybody's cards, but uh, I did, of course, play against him in fantasy this week. Um, yeah, absolute cookout from Brighton. Um, not, or not Brighton, uh, Luton. Not really what I expected at all. I, I thought Brighton would play free-flowing. I thought they'd maybe be on the front foot. Um, but Luton Town, man, just very, very clinical. Um, looked to have their wits about them. Ross Barkley, I think, has looked shockingly good uh, considering his age and how in and out of all of these clubs over the years he's been. Um, he looks amazing. And some of the veteran presence, I think, that you get from him has, has really kind of calmed them down a little bit. So... Not only an excellent offensive performance, but an excellent defensive performance uh, and a clean sheet for Kaminsky and Net. Um, on the Brighton side, I mean, things are looking pretty dire. Um, they're not in a great spot compared to where I thought they would be. They're in ninth, but um, they've got a ton of teams right around them. Wolves, Chelsea, Newcastle, uh, just surrounding them. If they don't start picking up wins... I can see them dropping in and around, you know, where Bournemouth are in 12th <clears throat> or 13th. Uh, they have to figure it out soon, and they have the quality to do so. It's just not really been showing up within the last five weeks. I think they've got one win. The rest are draws and um, that free-flowing one, <laughs> one win in their last seven. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's deeply troubling. Um, and it's not, at this point in the season, going to get you anywhere higher up the table, especially as other teams like West Ham's holding steady United. You don't know what you're going to get, but I think there's definitely some danger there. Chelsea have looked better. I think within the last month or two, um, it's just not, it's not at all what I expected from Brighton at the beginning of the season. And I, I don't know if this situation, considering all of their talent makes you question what's going on. Like what's Deserby up to, um, but that's kind of where I'm at because he was getting so much out of this, pretty much the same team. And now it just, it's all falling apart. Do you think there could be a little bit of a wandering eye situation? Maybe it's too soon to say those things, but yeah, I, he's at the I mean, top of the short list for the Liverpool job. That's what I've heard. Yeah. That was one bit of news that broke probably the day, the day of, or the day after we record last week's episode. And we didn't have any, we don't, we haven't spoken on it yet, but He's one of those top candidates, and I would think maybe there's a possibility he's looking elsewhere, but I don't know. I would argue if he doesn't have a strong finish to the year, maybe they, don't, they look past him. Yeah, so the one thing to consider is like that, exactly what you just said. I totally agree. And also, he doesn't strike me as the kind of manager like throughout his time at Brighton. What's it been, a season and a half? Um, yeah. He doesn't really, yeah. So maybe a f one full season worth of games over, you know, this year and half the last year. Um, 
he doesn't really strike me as that kind of manager to have the wandering eye, like a Mourinho or somebody like that who always has the next plan or the next move planned out. So it's 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 definitely a temporary drop. I know they're not super happy with their you know strike force right now, but you have players like Premier League quality strikers. Jal Pedro is good. He's really good in Europe. Welbeck can still do a job. Evan Ferguson is really good. It's just he doesn't seem to be putting the right players in the right positions. And when he does, they don't, they just aren't showing up. So it's is Evan uh, Ferguson really worth a hundred mil. If he doesn't even start for the team week in a week out. Fuck no, he's not worth a hundred mil, but I mean, there were, I mean, with the price tags for the coil went for 60 or whatever. And then they're talking about this Ferguson guy going for a hundred. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems crazy to me. Is that, was that an actual rumor? Yeah. I mean, that's it was nuts. It's just, it doesn't make sense. I mean, they paid 100 for Anthony, so it, it wouldn't uh, be shocking. Yeah, so. yeah, it's true. But Anthony, to be fair, Anthony had, to the untrained eye, and I guess even to the trained eye, had some qualities. They saw what he was doing at Ajax and said, you know, this guy might be able to be a, a star winger. I don't see that in Ferguson at all. I, I think he could be very solid. I like him, but I don't think he's even a hundred million is insane. I don't think he's even probably worth half of that. Maybe maybe forty. Yeah, but uh, transfer wise, Brighton brought two teen two two teenagers in over this window. The main one being Barco from Boca Juniors, listed yeah, as a left back. Uh, one major out was Mohamed Dahoud, who was brought in this past summer from Dortmund. He got loaned out to Stuttgart, so it doesn't seem that one worked out for them. Uh, Luton, they brought in two players, one Tom Hall, Tom, Tom Holmes from Reading. They loaded him right back to them the rest of the season. And they picked up a Japanese right back from the Belgian league, which I'm not even going to try. Uh, major <laughs> out, Ryan, Ryan Gills. He got loaned out to Hull. He was one of their starting wingbacks at the beginning of the year and has been faded out of the squad. So get Luton out of the drop zone now with the Everton result. And it's good. It's looking good for Rob Edwards right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that Luton signing, I believe his name is Daiki Hashioka. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll believe you. All right. Um, not, I'm not a native Japanese speaker, of course, but I think um, I, I've watched enough uh, stuff with Japanese uh, overlay to, to give it a fair shot. Uh, okay, Fulham nil, Everton nil. Holy fuck, was there a lot of shots in this one. A combined 46 shots, zero goals. Fulham, definitely the better team. Played on the front foot, controlled the majority uh, of the ball. But Everton were able to hold strong. Um, Brentway and Tarkovsky, I thought, did a, a fairly decent job. We're seeing Ashley Young start uh, in 2024. It's just never going to fail to surprise me, really. Um, Godfrey out on the right and Mikalenko on the left. A lot of people behind the ball. Um, no Onana, no Ducore. So it's it's always going to come down really to Calvert-Lewin. Jack Harrison kind of playing Cam, kind of playing center forward. I do I, something about this formation I, I like. Um, but you're never going to get beautiful football from it. I, I can appreciate Dyche's commitment to just being uh, a bastard, and that's kind of the way that Everton played in this one. I'm a little bit, um, I don't want to say upset uh, with the way that, that Fulham kind of 
wound up with just the point. I thought maybe after the Arsenal win, you know, they'd use it as a bouncing pad, but they've only taken a point from uh, the following two games after that Arsenal win. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed because it looked like for a minute, maybe Raul Jimenez was going to turn the Jets on. He was he was unbelievable in that game against Arsenal, and it just hasn't really happened. So I'm curious to think, you know, or curious to ask you, how do you feel about Fulham right now? Because it just hasn't clicked on both fronts at the same time for them this year. They've been defensively okay at points and then offensively stagnant. And then on the other side, they've been offensively excellent and defensively very poor. I just, you know, what do you think the future kind of holds for this Marco Silva Fulham, especially when they lose uh, Paulinha in the summer and have an aging Willian and aging Jimenez? It's not going to be good, right? The, the squad depth, I don't think is there. You're correct when it comes to scoring opportunities. This was an anomaly. 25 shots is extremely crazy, especially even for like a Man City. But yeah, it's not consistent enough going forward. Jimenez, once again, with a dud performance. Uh, deadline day move, though, they did pick up Broya on loan for the rest of the season from Chelsea. So I'm sure he'll be starting over Jimenez at some point. But yeah, when it comes to the wings, you have Willian, who I think is we can agree is over over the peak and is downhill now and has injury issues at times. And De Cordova Reed isn't as consistent; he's a hard worker in that. And I've said that I'm not a fan of Pereira as well. But yeah, once Paulinho gets pulled out of the squad, that's the rock of the team, and I don't know where they can fill that spot in. So uh, I do like their back line. Uh, Anthony Robinson's having an incredible season. He's putting up stats every single week, getting involved in the attacking end down the flank uh, for 90-plus minutes every single game, has not missed a game uh, yet, unless there was maybe one or two odd ones. But he's been a standout performance but for them. But it's just the quality isn't there going forward. When they have a negative eight-goal differential, that's where you can always look to uh, on, the, on the books and think, yeah, that's probably where the issues are. And I think when you watch this play, you have 25 shots and none go in. Or, uh, understandably, Pickford absolutely made some worldies, but still, you need one of them to go in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and one hundred percent, I, I stamped the Anthony Ro- Anthony Robinson um, take. I think he's been very, very good this year, and really, like, with how good he's played and how good he can be going forward, but also making sure that he's there when you need him to defend one on one. He, you know, he really deserves to be playing in a better team. Uh, than you know this Fulham team right now, in my opinion, I I agree with you. Yeah, both teams transfer wise, nothing much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing for Everton, Mason Holgate went from his loan with Southampton to now with Sheffield, uh, and then Fulham loaned out youngster Luke Harris to Exeter in League Two. Yeah. Um, but I, as I did mention, the Broya one for Fulham, Everton. Uh, it would have been shocking if they brought anybody in with the circumstances they're under. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about this one. Uh, entertaining game. Palace 3, Sheffield United 2. Dis- despite Ben Brereton Diaz uh, and his goal in the first minute, Palace come from behind uh, a couple of times and managed to take all three points thanks to one Eberichi Eze and one Michael Olise, uh, who we've been on record now for Months and months and months. Anybody with eyes knows when both of them play, Palace are (laughs) 
considerably better team. Um, so the goal from uh, Ben Diaz in the first, one from Eze in the 17th, another from James McAtee in the 20th, 2-1. Eze wasn't having it, scored again in the 27th, and then it was quiet for a while. Um, plenty of, of, of good play, I thought, on both sides. Sheffield looked much better. When this kid is on and he's playing well on the wing, they're it's a it's a huge change in what we kind of were seeing with Sheffield at the beginning of the year. Uh he's I don't know, how many games has he started? Three, four? Who's this? The Ben Brereton Diaz. He this hasn't been a regular Yeah, he hasn't been a regular starter. They just they they bought him this month on yeah. loan for the rest of the season from Villarreal and two games, two goals. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been absolutely a revelation for them going forward. Um, McAtee, really nice to see him kind of involving himself, showing up. Uh, McBurney still kind of struggling to be the striker uh, that a team like Sheffield need, especially where they are in the table. You're probably not going to get that out of them. Um, but I I think what I really want to talk about is Palace and. After everything that happened last week, they come and they actually fight. And this team has such a good core of players in young players in Gehi and Mitchell and Eze and Elise. But I don't think all of those guys can stay. I don't think the investment is going to be there. They don't have anybody to sell one. That's going to be a problem to bring in the players they need to bring in and the manager they need to bring in to make them successful. And it's a shame because every single time I see Olise and Eze play together, I'm like, man, this fucking team has just those guys, their chemistry. There's so much juice there. They're so creative. They're so good at finishing from a million different spots on the pitch. Um, and I, I just know it's not going to stick. It's not going to last at Palace. And I hope they both find good homes because they have the potential to be stalwart attacking players in the Premier League for the next 10 to 15 years. I'm like so over the moon with both of them every time I watch them play. They both have three years left on their deal. At least they did sign an extension this summer after the rumors of him going to Chelsea or Man City. Uh, they did sign two guys this month. They signed a right back. We've talked about this for a while now. Uh, they signed Daniel Munez from Genk in the Belgian League. He's a Colombian international, 27 years old. Chris Richards played right back here today. He's been their utility guy, can play three, four different positions. But we could be seeing um, somebody good there for them going forward. And then deadline day move, Adam Wharton from Blackburn, 19-year-old English lad. Center mid, we'll see what he's made of. They signed him for 21 mil, so it's a massive investment in that end of the pitch, which they definitely need. Will Hughes is aging out. Lerma can only do so much. And, and yeah, I mean, Palace won this game due to the talent over Sheffield's grit. I mean, I think Sheffield put a great performance on. The opening goal was incredible. Nice team effort, as well as the second goal. Good counterattack. McBurney was a centerpiece in this team. Did, a, did all the dirty work as well as Mateta did at times, but didn't get the, the goal contributions on, mm -hmm. the, on the sheet. So both strikers did good, but good goal from McAtee as well, his second goal um, from the low knee from Man City. It was just unfortunate. Sheffield's new signing in the goalkeeper department, uh, Gribich, 
he got a picked up a head injury unfortunately early in the second half so he had to come out for Fotheringham who's been their starter all year so we didn't really get to see too much of him they signed him from Atletico and I mean yeah it's just, this was a massive performance it was one that Roy Hodgson needed especially to save his job for a little bit longer I think if they keep it up at this rate he'll probably stay until the end of the season and then come summertime the, the ownership group's probably going to be on the market looking for somebody new and they need these they need these 10 to 20 million pound signings, which nowadays is the old school, maybe like three to 8 million pound signings. They need those guys to work out for them. We've seen good business from them with Eze, with Elise, with Guayhi, uh, those type of characters filling in the squad. Lerm is a solid one where they're doing all this without Ducore, who they signed last season is a great six. So they're building the pillars in this team to be great, but ultimately we're not going to see them finish top, top of the half for a little bit, especially if they lose the likes of Alyssa and Eze within the next two years. Yeah. Um, okay. And that's a, you know, the palace job is something that's going to be really interesting over the next there's a lot of good options in London, a lot of good clubs in London in the Prem. They're, yeah. You're seeing, you're seeing it get up to a point where there's almost eight teams from London in the Prem. It's it's a very competitive market. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, those guys could walk into, uh, Alise probably especially. I don't I don't know if the interest in Eze is as high as Alise. Um, I think Alise starts for 18 of the, of the 20 teams. I, I think I would have to agree with you. I, I mean... I bite your arm off for him. Even at Arsenal, where we have two wingers that I already like, I mean, surely he's good enough to play in another position. He's just, he's so good, man. Um, same thing with Eze, but I don't think the the uh, interest is going to be there from all as many clubs. Yeah, I think the only two teams he doesn't start for are Arsenal and Liverpool. I think yeah. every other probably starts. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, okay. Let's move on to this one. I mean, I'm going to let you handle this one. This is not the the one we expected, was it? Villa 1, Newcastle 3. No, completely caught <laughs> me off guard. Um, Aston Villa's first defeat at home. Newcastle's, I believe, the only their second win on the road. It was the complete opposite when you go to the sabermetrics of things. But it was really sad here. We saw a brace for Fabian Scher in the 32nd and 36th. There was no opportunity for him to score a hat trick, which... Would have been history for for the Prem, a first defender ever to score a hat-trick, but we didn't get to see it. Uh, we saw Isak, unfortunately, pick up a knock, so he may be out the next few matches. That's unfortunate, along with what they're dealing with Callum Wilson. Uh, and then to top it all off, an own goal in the 52nd from Alex Moreno. Unfortunate one for him. Murphy was putting it in anyway, but he had to knock it in to finish the job and took a knock on the post, came in very hot. But Villa did put a good comeback on. They were really applying the pressure in the second half, made three changes in the 63rd, one of those being Leon Bailey, who got the assist to Watkins in the 71st. We almost saw a second one from Watkins, but was just offsides by maybe half a foot. That goal, if it counted, would have been major. But after that, things died off a bit. Bit of a lackluster play back and forth, and ultimately Newcastle get a massive win. After four straight defeats, this three points keeps them in the top eight uh, a loss would have seen them down in 11th or sorry 10th so it's a big three-point swing there for them it's it's a hard one for emery to swallow now they drop out of the top four down into fifth tied on points with tottenham as well as goal differential but tottenham are above them because they've scored more goals so 
that's what it comes down to. They're seven points clear of six, which is good. So they're in a steady position right now. We're going to be seeing European competitions pick back up in the next few weeks, and it's uh, it's one they got to really get back on. I thought your boy Diaby had an opportunity to put he, one he in, did, but yeah. did an unselfish thing trying to do a cutback. That's that's the killer instinct you need in the prem, <laughs> those, those moments, and he's always looking for that little bit of help from Watkins or maybe Louise trailing. Yeah, while it is the name of the show, it's not always the solution, uh, especially in a game like this when you're playing from behind. Sometimes you just have to take the chance. And um, I was, I've been like really kind of disappointed with Diaby down the stretch. I, I have him yeah. in fantasy, so I watch him pretty closely. I know what he's capable of. I know what he did in the Bundesliga, and we've seen him at points this year do that when he takes the uh, initiative to want to finish he's been okay but I think just because of how in and out things have been with him and Bailey and how good Bailey has been at points it's just hard and he's been getting the votes of confidence but he's not really showing up so uh, Watkins you know still putting together a really really solid season Um, I just think Villa are coming back down to earth a little bit and Newcastle, I, I think it's fair to say they're severely underperforming this year. They still have good enough players. Trippier is a good player, despite that terrible run of form he's had. Gimoresh is a great player. Anthony Gordon's been very good for them, even though they've been poor. Isak, same thing. He got hurt, which is going to be a big loss for them, considering their injury issues are already terrible. Um, but it's it's a great result for Newcastle, and just when we thought maybe that seat was getting too hot for Eddie Howe, uh, he goes ahead and you know gets three points against Villa at Villa Park. And now this is what they're only their second loss this year at home. No, I believe this is their first loss. That's oh, their first, so it is their first. Um, yeah, they, yeah. They have nine wins, one draw, and one loss. This is Newcastle's second win on the road, yeah. So um, are Liverpool still the only team that haven't lost at home? Liverpool and Man City, the only City two. City haven't lost at home either. Yeah, that game was at the Emirates, the, the Arsenal loss. Um, uh, so trans- it's crazy. Yeah, transfer-wise, Newcastle loan, loan out uh, one player, sell another, nothing major. On the Villa side of things, one major deadline signing they made is Morgan Rodgers. Uh, attacking player from Middlesbrough scored against Chelsea in the recent cup tie in the Carabao Cup. They signed him for a little under 10 mil. They signed a young right back from Red, Bo- Red Star Belgrade in the, is that the Serbian League? Yeah. Uh, Red Star Belgrade, yeah. Yeah, 18-year-old. They signed a youngster from Arsenal's U21 team. They loaned both of them out as well as a young goalkeeper they signed from Australia. Uh, they did sell Bertrand Traore. They terminated his contract, and he's now signed with Villarreal as a free agent. So nothing crazy going on with those clubs. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the result we all expected. Manchester City 3, Burnley 1. Uh, Julian Alvarez with a birthday brace, uh, one in the 16th, one in the 22nd. Uh, he's done a pretty good job filling in for Holland. Um, who we did see actually came off the bench. Rodri added another in the 46th. Uh, and Amin Al-Dakil uh, spoiled the clean sheet for City in the 93rd minute when he scored for Burnley. Um, more of the same from Burnley. I mean, sit back. This is how teams play against City. We knew this was what was going to happen. 
you sit back, you concede possession. You're lucky if you get two or three shots on target. They got three. You hope one of them goes in early and you're able to just defend, but they just never had a chance. And City knew what the game plan would be. They were happy to just control the ball, take their chances when they got them. They only had four shots on target and they scored three goals. Um, there's really not much to talk about other than the fact that KDB's come right back in and is, you know, right on form. Um, Doku not been as good as he probably could be. Sometimes his play seems a little bit too direct. Um, but he's just like such a talented dribbler, just straight up like street baller. I really wouldn't want to see it any other way. I, I think... That's just the kind of player he is, and I really like watching that, especially over Grealish, who's a little bit more labored. Um, but yeah, I mean, City look you know, right back up like they'll be contending for the title. Uh, they've got two, no, just one game in hand still uh, on Liverpool and Arsenal, and Tottenham are up there uh, in fourth, too, with that big win over Brentford. So it's a it's a tight-ish race. Um, I still think I'd probably hand it to to city if you put a gun to my head at this point um they're the team that seems to have the the least cracks over the last i don't know five six weeks um that that period of struggle seems like it's over transfer wise burnley three loans youngsters uh datra fofana from chelsea as well as two guys from the french league Man City, the only signing they made was that young Argentinian from River Plate who they loaned right back to River Plate. Uh, and the one major out, as well as the Klopp news, was the Calvin Phillips finally gets loaned out and went to West Ham, and we did see his debut today. Not a great start for him. We'll get to that later. So um, we're actually going to see Calvin Phillips get to play some ball. Yeah, um, that wasn't great. We're going to get to it. <laughs> uh, okay. Tottenham three, Brentford two, um, a banter soaked. Uh, I guess this is a this is a derby, isn't it? Brentford are in London. Yep. Um, we saw the scoring open with Neil Mopai in the fifteenth minute. After the bees absolutely shredded Tottenham uh, on the counterattack for the first twenty minutes. Uh, it wasn't until the 48th minute after halftime that Tottenham got one back through Destin Udogi, who has been pretty solid this year. Brennan Johnson scored a big boy goal, added another in the 49th, and then Richarlison added one in the 56th. Ivan Tony got one back in the 67th, but unfortunately it was too late. Tottenham were able to lock it down and take all three points. There's a lot of things to talk about here, one being the fact that since Richarlison has had his penis operated on, he has seven goals in seven games. He's carrying too much weight. Something, there was a blockage of sorts or, or something must have been going on. The guy's like got his mojo back. This is better than Everton, Richarlison. He looks like he's all the way back. I think he's been great. He's been scoring with his feet, with his head. It's, it's impressive stuff. I mean, we got to give Richarlison his credit. He's been, he's been awesome. Yeah, an absolute bagsman when yeah. it matters. He's doing it. Uh, the the Neil Mopay goal with the, <laughs> the the James Madison celebration uh, was was a bit sus. He was he is he's a three, he's a shit houser, dude. Top three villains uh-huh. in the Prem this year has always been. Uh, he's a very polarizing figure. Nice to see when Madison got his revenge there on the Johnson goal. 
uh, with a team of earners. His team of earner has been... He's been good. Very good. He's been doing his job well. He's not... In the Chelsea team, he was more of a... Uh, he, they want, we wanted him to be more of a central piece to what we wanted in the team to go forward. And Tottenham, he's more of a role player, more support guy, and that's really suiting him, get, getting the game back to uh, going under his feet. So... Uh, also, I wanted to talk about that Ivan Tony goal. Yeah, with the Udogi back pass, that mm. was Just, something. He gives the ball away a lot. He he is well, a good player, but he gives the ball away. Like he gave the ball away a shit well, ton of times. I mean, the fact he didn't realize Tony was still by <laughs> yeah. Vicario was incredible. I mean, yeah, it was, it was Ivan Tony had ten five ten seconds to prepare himself for that ball turn and shoot. It was. It was crazy, and that, that was a pivotal point in the game. He had uh, three-two with with thirty minutes left. There's a lot that can go wrong there. Yeah, and it was fortunate for Tottenham to get get the job to get the result over the line. But yeah, Madison back in the team, pivotal. Uh, hopefully, that I'm sure there was just a little bit of crampage for him and Kulusevski as well made a return. So yeah, this team's looking great. Sun should be back within the next week or so. And we're really going to see what they're made of. Back to what we saw at the start of the year. Yeah, you get another really solid center mid in there. Get Skip and Hoiberg all the way out of the team where you don't even have to worry about them. And I think Tottenham are like right up there contending. I mean, they're they're already contending. This team, that back line, when Poro plays really well and you have Romero and Vandeven alongside Vicario and Net, it's very dangerous. I mean, they are... They're so good at tracking back. They leak goals because of how Ange has them play. But when you look at how far up those guys are, if they weren't as good as they were, they'd be they'd be conceding six times a game. And you know they've conceded a lot. There, that's not up for debate. But these center backs uh, are extremely good, and they can go up against any of them. You know, they can go up against Ivan Tony is a super talented finisher he didn't get loose that many times i thought they did a really good job of locking him down um and on the brentford side you know you could tell they labored to really cover madison when madison is back for spurs and he's playing and he's healthy he is so hard to control because he's so good at slipping into pockets he's good at playing the ball from deep he's an excellent finisher of the ball as well um that's such a a huge return for spurs and hopefully we don't see him i i like him i know i'm supposed to hate spurs and all their players but i think madison i know i should but i madison is such a good player and it's um it, it would suck to see him go out again after, you know, he missed three months already due to injury. So we'll see. Can't, What's up? He, I was just saying he can't go down again. They got the Euros this summer. Or yeah, the Euros this summer. He has to be fit. Yeah. Well, depending on how important that is, you know, that may have an effect on how careful he is in easing himself back in. I He doesn't seem like the kind of player that would prioritize one thing over the other to me. Um, but we've seen Champions. players do that in the past. We've absolutely seen it. I think he'll definitely prioritize Champions League ball. I yeah. Mean, next season, he could be in the Champions League for the first time in his career, mm-hmm. um, if I'm remembering correctly, because I don't think he was on the team when Leicester won the league, right, the following year. No, he, he wasn't United. there yet. They may have – he may have crossed over into – because they did, they were in the Europa League one year as well, and the Conference right. League. I think he may have crossed over, but he's never played Champions League football, no. Yeah, that's something he wants to check off his bucket list. But transfer-wise, Tottenham, 
the Radu and Vernert moves, we were early in the window. The only exits we see are, are Alejo Valiz, the backup striker, went to Sevilla to, for the rest of the season, as well as Perisic got loaned out back to Croatia. But I don't even know if he's fit. He tore his ACL, so he might be... I thought he was already done for the year. Uh, Brentford's end... They brought in a 22-year-old Icelandic goalkeeper from the Swedish league, as well as an 18-year-old defensive mid from the Turkish league, and no major outs. So really, really worried for Brentford. They're going to have to find points where they can right now. Five losses in their last six. And hopefully with Emblemo coming back in the next month, I believe Kevin Schade should be coming back soon, and then Vies coming back from AFCON. They need those guys because... We're seeing Ivan Tony picking back where he left off, and we know those other guys can be great role players with him. Their contributions are going to go way up now that Tony's back as well. I'm like frothing at the mouth for Vise to come back. I'd like to see what he looks like um, back in the team with Tony, especially with no Embuemo. There should be plenty of opportunity. Okay, Matt, we'll give this one to you. Liverpool four, Chelsea one. Um, I kind of I feel I feel for you here, dog. I I think you were done a little bit hard by by VAR. Yeah, um, like like three times maybe. I'm gonna start off before we even talk <laughs> details about it. The result was fair. We deserved nothing out of this game. It seems like a preseason game at times, but yeah, there was a flow in the game where it felt like we were getting no calls. The Gallagher decision was tough because we saw a decision today with Pedro Neto being scraped barely and not having the force when it comes to logical sense when you see that enough force to bring him down the way he went down. And the way Van Dyke tackled Gallagher, it doesn't add up for me. So it's mm. very it's 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 a subjective game. It's brutal at times and you have to live with them, but for Liverpool to blow us up like the way they did. Jota in the 23rd, uh, Bradley in the 39th, and then in the 65th, we saw Zubazlai assisted by Bradley. Bradley made on the match. We just absolutely got done up by a kid from Northern Ireland. He's uh, so good, dude. <laughs> and then we saw Diaz in the 79th. I think the biggest victim of this game wasn't even a Chelsea player. Darwin Nunes having eight shots hitting the post and crossbar three times. That guy cannot buy anything yeah. to save his life. It's so unfortunate to see that he could he could have 25 goals this season with the amount of chances he's had not go his way. It's incredible. But um, when we look on Chelsea's side, the way we set up the back line, just no consistency. The only guy I give a break is to Petrovic. The guy made eight saves, I believe was left hanging to dry for some of these moments, and it was really brutal. Ben Showell getting only a half. We didn't really get to see anything out of him. He got bodied by Bradley the entire time down that right side. Um, poor performance from Cole Palmer. The midfield had no consistency. There's no chemistry. That's what I'm seeing week after week. It's Caicedo and Enzo can't play together, yada, yada, yada. Um, Madweke not being forceful down the right down that right side, going after Joe Gomez, who is right a right-footed center back, playing at left back. Um, I don't know why that wasn't a, an area to attack when it comes to tactical sense and things. And 
the guys coming off the bench, Mudrik, I mean, clear opportunity to put one in, coming in at high velocity, but still skying it, and Kunku getting another consolation goal like he did in the Wolves game, which we dropped. It's just not good enough, and it's really sad. Uh, Allison didn't have to do anything. Nope. I mean, when it comes down to... Uh, uh, it's tough. I mean, we're getting players back from injury. We saw Gusto back. We saw Chukomeka now back. Uh, I think that's the second game now in a row he's been back. Uh, we're still waiting on Jackson to come back from AFCON. We have Wesley Fofana, who should be coming back in the next coming weeks. Um, Reese James in a month, but that's is he? High. Wait, he's coming back. I think he should be back March or April. Yeah, I know we got the surgery, but there's like there was there's very little news on him. Yeah, I guess he. I little, guess it would make sense the timeline. He should be. The back. one thing I'm seeing is April, but the season will be long gone by then. So. Yeah. I mean, these guys have been playing consistently now for for a month or two now. The same core six up front and two or three in the back. It's just, it's it's we just got it blown up. We we've had a, ring, a run of games with subpar competition and have gotten the results we needed. Most of them not convincingly, but now we played a contender for the title and we showed we it shows where we're at. We're we're not there. We're nowhere close. And the fans chirping Caicedo all the game with the whole drama during the summer of him potentially going there and then the, uh, shunning them to come to Chelsea. It didn't work out in his favor there. But yeah, I, th- sum it up, the better team won. And the last thing I'll say is when you saw in the 68th minute the subs Liverpool had coming in, it was disgusting. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Bravo and Trent coming off the bench yep. after the performance Bradley put on. It raised the question of Bradley starts right back, Trent in the midfield. It, that's not, we said that last not, week. It's not fair. I I after two games of Bradley, I saw enough to say this this kid is a much better defender than Trent. And then after that, this game, I wasn't expecting how good he was going forward. I just I didn't expect to see that he's he already had you know a goal, I think two goals and an assist before this one added another assist and another goal. He's like unbelievable for how young he is and kind of just burst it out. You know, we haven't seen all that much of him at all. So um, have to give him a shit ton of credit for how good he's been uh, stepping in for Trent. And like you said, you move Trent in. We said it last week again um, as a, like a maybe thing. I think now it's almost you have to do it. You put Trent's passing range at DM. Um and just kind of play him a little bit further forward and just have him back when you need to have him back. Uh, they're they're even scarier playing the balls out to Salah when he's back. Diaz who's rapid, Nunez who is rapid again. They're looking scarier and scarier uh, as the weeks go. Um, but like you said, I mean Chelsea just got blown up. Uh, Liverpool looked good, but. Chelsea just looked so poor. Um, there was no, there was no, there's no cohesion in this team. There was, yeah, I think the commentators said it best. You're seeing it's a, an actual team versus a team of individuals, and yeah. that's that, that. That also sums up the game. Liverpool in their last four games in the Prem all win, sixteen goals for three against. Craziness. They're just and they're doing this all without Salah. All without Salah and with a cobbled together back line, essentially. 
Gomez is not playing in his native position. Bradley well, is a youth product. You have Van Dyke and Konate, but well, now Rabo and Trent are back, so they're back hundred percent. Yeah, they're a hundred percent. They're they're a hundred percent right now when Salah comes back too. So I mean, do you even rush to throw them back in with how good Gomez and Bradley have been? I I mean, I get you, you want it, you Rob, have to though. play them, but like genuinely, yeah, it's a, it's a shame to see Gomez go back to the bench. Yeah, you have to play Robertson. He's been gone and he's left footed and he's a Champions League winning guy at that he's he's one of the top five left backs in the world. You need him yeah. out there. Yeah. Gomez doesn't give you that same effect down the line. He's great defensively, but you need Rob bombing down the left, which will also open up those crossfield passes down the right to Salah when he's fit. Right. Um there's one more thing I wanted to say. I I've asked you about Caicedo. I'm not so much worried about Caicedo. I think eventually I'll figure it out. But Fernandez like doesn't really do anything for me, dude. Nope. He he he's not. He, it's not just me, right? He's, he, he's I I genuinely don't think he's that good. There isn't a defined position in this team. He's like Kovacic, and if he's too forward. He does. You don't get his passing range in that, but he's not a scorer. If you play him too deep, he's too far away from being involved in the buildup. And he's not a great defender either. He's he's a very he's very average in all these positions. But you've seen sparks here and there of him. But he, you have young guys in this midfield that aren't don't have defined careers yet, don't have longevity in what they've done in this league and they're getting picked apart. They don't have that supporting cast around them to cover for them. We talked about team Werner in this Chelsea team a few years ago, being somebody we relied on to have those big moments and he couldn't produce at the level we needed him to. And we're seeing similar things now with, with Enzo, with Medweke when he's fit, Caicedo, we don't need him to be going good forward. We, he, he gets no, stuck he's... in it. He has the aggression in that, but yeah. I think he's picking up too many early yellow cards in games that, turns him into more cautious as the game goes on, which isn't what we need. We need him to be, maybe he gets a card and late in the 78th minute, but when he gets an early card, it really hinders what he can do. So um, it's tough. It's tough. We don't have that defined midfield. And I think that's what people, one of the main issues people keep having is our midfield isn't good enough to win these games. Caicedo cannot play in a pivot. He should not be playing in a pivot. I think no, I think he's best suited sitting in front of the two by himself. Backs. Yes, I, I think totally if you, agree. If you look at this midfield with Liverpool, they play a flat three. Yep. With McAllister dropped in a little bit back, like Fabinho was for them. Uh, like in the past, I guess you could say Lucas Leva was at times when yeah, Colt and he's first came into the team. Yeah. Uh, Emery Chan when he was there, like those guys are more defensive minded, sitting in front of the two center backs. Didn't really get forward, and we're seeing. More of a spread out thing where Gallagher is almost in front of Cole Palmer at times. Yeah. They interchange. They interchange from the nine and the ten. So it ultimately is just a two center midfield thing, and I think it's just too much ground for them to cover. Like you said, Enzo isn't that guy to go with him. Like we saw maybe if it was Kovacic and Golo, like those guys work together well. Jorginho and Kovacic, they did fine, but these guys just don't have enough time in this league and understanding with this coaching staff to have that solidity to to compete against these top tier teams. We'll see this next upcoming game. Um who do we play that we play Wolves who yeah. are a really scary team right now and I think this is a perfect game for us where it's a it's a six pointer 
this is ultimately where where we're at right now. We need to win these types of games, and if our midfield doesn't show up, or it's going to cost us because we've seen Wolves, they can score three, four goals in games, and I don't know if we're capable of doing that consistently. We saw an odd one with a 4-4 banger against Man City, but I don't see us doing that every single week when we need them. Yeah. Uh, we could go on and on uh, about about Chelsea and, and the issues right now. I, they're, they are fascinating to talk about just because of the amount of money that's been spent, the product that's been out, how good they can look at some points and how shit they can look at others. But we'll move on. Um, yeah. Not, Transfer-wise, not much transfers, in. right? Just uh, bro, yeah, out. Yeah, Liverpool, nothing. Nobody in. Yeah. Uh, okay. West Ham won. Bournemouth won. Um, a third-minute goal from Dominic Solanke that was gifted uh, to him by Calvin Phillips, uh, where he lined up alongside Suchek and Alvarez in the 3DM formation. Uh, truly rancid stuff. Hate to see that. Um, and then nothing until the 61st minute when James Ward-Prowse was able to uh, convert a penalty, his bread and butter. Uh, certainly... I thought that Bournemouth were the better team. They had more intent, uh, but West Ham and and Bournemouth were able to kind of sit right around each other in possession. Uh, three shots on target for the Irons, four uh, for the Cherries. Passes made very similar. Pass accuracy very similar. Neither of these teams at their best. We saw Kudus come off. We saw Calvin Phillips come off. Um, Kudus looked okay. He's probably tired. Uh, I expect him to get fully back to his best. Bowen didn't make a huge effect. Uh, was uh, he did receive a yellow card, and Bournemouth not quite playing. You know how they were and how electric they were. Still, you have to focus on making sure Solanke keeps his form up, uh, and he was able to do that. So you get given the ball, you got to finish it. He was able to do that. I don't think either of these teams are going to be super upset uh, with a point, especially West Ham, considering they're overachieving already. Um, but Bournemouth, maybe Bournemouth are a little bit upset with this because they do have two losses right before this draw. Uh, I thought maybe they'd have a chance on this one, but went the way 1-1. West Ham in their last 11, only one loss. I mean... Yeah, it's good. It's good form. It's, it's crazy to think with... I think it shows you talked about terroristic football, and it's tough to watch them, but they're getting the results they need, and ultimately that's what you want. But I guess as a fan, you pay to go see them perform at a top-tier level, the Premier League. You want to see good ball, and they're, you're just not getting that consistently here. And... You're right, Kudus recently from AFCON, they just got back after a tough exit where they were favorites and didn't even qualify for the knockout stage. Um, we even saw Jordan Ayu, also from the Ghana team, landed the same day they played for Palace and he started. So um, we're going to have to wait and see. Hopefully they get some rest before this weekend. But yeah, Calvin Phillips' mistake. Uh, some some credits got or some slacks got to be taken by Kurt Zuma as well. He put him in a really tough spot. And Dom Solanke capitalizes on it. Um, I think that's his 13th goal this season as well. So he's third now in the in the Golden Boot. He's one behind Salah and Holland, which is crazy to think. Um, Holland missing the last six, seven games is still joint top goal scorer for the Golden Boot. Um, but transfer-wise, we saw Bournemouth ultimately get maybe steal of the window. They picked up Ennis Unel. 26-year-old Turkish forward from Getafe. He's valued at 25 mil. 
Yeah. They loan him in till, for the rest of the season. I thought they already had enough attacking options, but I guess they they don't. Um, they did let David Brooks and Kiefer Moore go out on loan for the rest of the season, so I guess he fills in one of those spots. But we might be seeing this guy as in one of those wing spots, maybe for Semenyo. This has been an up-and-coming guy for a long while. West Ham don't bring anybody in besides Calvin Phillips, but a deadline day move, they sold your boy, Pablo Fornals. He goes yeah. to Turkey or something. Or no, he goes to Real Batiste. So they lose him. They were talks of them losing Ben Rama as well, but with the formation they played here, they played so narrow. You had Ward Prowse as like an inside forward. I mean, they're really struggling for those options. I mean, Paqueta out. Ben Rama missed this game. We saw Max Cornet get a, get a play as well. So they're really lacking attacking options. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, ben Rama out. Apparently that deals off, by the way. Um, yeah, that collapsed. Uh, something happened. Paperwork wasn't done. Um, Leon have put in uh, a complaint to kind of turn it back around and make sure that he does go there. But that's something we're going to have to keep our eye on uh, in the next few days. Uh, Matt, I'm going to give you the best game, the last game. Wolves 3, United 4. What a fucking shit show. An absolute banger for a neutral. Went all the way down to the wire. Ultimately, goes in the favor of United. They always find a way to somehow get the points. They're in 7th position on 35 points, 1 behind West Ham with a negative 4 goal differential. They have the least amount of goals for in the top 12 they scored one less goal than Bournemouth who sit 12th uh and they score four here though first Marcus Rashford let's start it off there all the drama of him going out in Belfast again out going out at nightclubs uh it was sat out in the in the in the FA Cup game due to he said he was sick but was punishment again from from uh Ten Hag bags Kind of scratches that off. Hoyland bags in the 22nd. 2-0, we go into the half. You're thinking easy cruise control. Wolves didn't really have too much going for him in the first half. And tides change. Wolves start picking it up, make a few changes here and there. Sarabia gets a penalty in the 71st, bags it off a Pedro Neto. Controversial flop. I. That's one thing, I guess, pause it there. When you look at VAR, if you're in a VAR position... And I, kn- I know you need conclusive evidence to overturn the on-field decision, which was a penalty. But you're watching the tape. You see maybe a, a tip of his shoe, Casemiro, trips Neto. And the way Neto goes down yeah. and exaggerates it, I feel like that's <laughs> got to be a thing. And that has to be a thing in the future. You, ha- you, you have to overturn that. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. He scrapes him. Yeah. And he goes down in a position where you can both his legs up like he just got pulled by the hair it's outrageous i kind of felt that way about um when jota went down in that chelsea game i i felt the same way like the, the way he went down yes um patty Ashiel fully stepped on his yeah he stepped on him but he acted like he got shot by a 50 caliber bullet like through his chest i agree they both went down in similar fashion Crazy. he did get somewhat of treatment but still i mean this was for the the amount yeah. of contact there was, and it's egregious. It comes, I I agree. The ruling, like the commentators are saying, they have to see if he was touched. If he wasn't, it's not. But if he did get touched, they have to go with the on-field decision. Which 
I feel like it's a bit bogus, but it ultimately comes down to being subjective, and it's tough. And that was the, that was the turning point in this game. It, it brings it to 2-1. Wolves are starting to get in the mix. Scott McTominay comes in, as well as Anthony. Casimir and Rashford off later could have been iffy decisions, which would have bit Ten Hag in the butt. But McTominay, one of his first touches, bags a header on the corner from Bruno. 3-1. You think it's closed out. Wolves in the 85th off a corner. Gets a scrappy one. Dawson flicks it in. Kilman touches it across the line. Deflection off to low. 3-2 now. And then I don't understand how United did this earlier in the year. They send everybody but two up for a corner kick. You're up 3-2 in the 94th minute. Yeah, craziness. They get countered on. Neto bags it. He's He's the counter guy. I mean, they were right out of the blocks. It was a 3v3 going yep. the other way. And at that point, you're thinking, okay, Wolves, they have five minutes left. They could get something here. United already made all five of their subs. They're super defensive. All their main guys, Hoyland, Garnacha, Rashford, all those guys are out. And then step up the man, the youngster, 18, his first season truly in the team. Kobe Mainu bags his first Premier League career goal. In the 96th minute, nice solo run for him. You see the techers, the footwork in front of Sir Alex in the stands. What a way to get your first goal. Win three points away for your club in front of everybody there. You could see the emotion in his face. It was a great moment for him. Like I said, it keeps them in the top seven with the poor run of form they've had, with the lack of goals. They put up four here and just by the skin of their teeth get the points. Yeah. I mean like the main takeaway is just the fact that like Minu, the young players, this is how you're going to get out of the fucking jam. It's going to be Garnacho and it's going to be Minu and it's going to be Hoyland. As much as I don't want to say that they get you out because he did. He, he, he played excellent. Um, those guys are passionate and you can tell they care. Sure, they're not going to be great every week, but moments of individual brilliance like this are what fortify the mind of a young player and essentially, you know, then fortify their career at the club. You have to start Minu every single game if he's fit. Not just because of this. I mean, he's been very good, very, very good for them considering his age and considering he's been in and out. Um, He's been and really. I did say he did say before the game this was his best eleven all season. So it far. it it was. I I I would tend to agree with him. I mean, we saw McGuire getting the vote of confidence for a while, but I think Casemiro and Mainu is probably the best pivot you can have. Rashford, regardless of the Belfast binge drinking or whatever the fuck, he goes out there and he scores. So you know, at least you're getting something out of him. And you've got Fernandez, and you've got Hoyland is their best striker option. I they don't have another option, only option. besides Rashford. If you want to play him at striker, move Garnacho to the left, and then Anthony back out on the right. Um, they don't have any depth. They genuinely don't. You have Erickson, and you have McTominay. I mean, McGuire's not been. He's been okay, but it's they need forwards they need forward depth and they don't have any so if Hoyland shows up odds are you're going to get a somewhat decent result if he doesn't show up odds are you're going to just crumble at defense and you're going to lose they somehow managed to win this game but god they were so far from perfect still the chemistry the chemistry is not going to be there because 
Onana's been in and out. He's been shit this season. Martinez is just back. Veron in and out. We've hardly seen we hardly saw him for a while. Um the chemistry's not going to be there. If they can play this team for five weeks without a player going in and out of the team or there being a disciplinary issue or something of that matter, United are going to look better. They're going to look more solid. But if that doesn't happen, and it hasn't happened all year, then you're going to continue to see shit like this. You know, they were very blessed to take three points here. I thought, I, I still see things like... When they sent everybody forward on that on that corner, I'm like, what is Ten Hag doing? Like, what is he cooking, man? I don't understand it. They got away with it, but there's still so many questions that need to be asked about him, I think. He's got the team sheet figured out finally for the first time all season, but good lord, man, there's still so many questions to be asked at United, and I I don't see unless they somehow don't lose a game for the rest of the season how anybody has confidence in Ten Hag. I, I just do not see it. I think he is he's a fraud. I think they'll find a way to finish top six. Yeah, I think they probably will too, but he It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. They're eight away from Villa in fifth. And with the form they've had, it's gonna be brutal with Newcastle right behind them there. I don't think you have to worry too much about Brighton or Chelsea, but they always find a way to somehow scrounge the points. And they're they're not in Europe anymore after their collapse in the Champions League. So it's they only have the FA Cup and then the Prem. And there's going to be limited minutes to go around. So he's going to have to play his best guys and in and out. And if Varane can stay fit as well as Martinez, if he can stay out of booking trouble, um, they should be fine. I think those two together play great. The back line in the first half was incredible. Delo and Shaw offer great versatility going down the wings. Casemiro once again picked up an early yellow card, I believe, in like the third minute. So it held him back. But I think the core group's there. If Hoyland can get involved in the in the mix, that's what they need because you mentioned all, all the time Rashford's not getting involved too much. Bruno's having a down year, and Garnacho gives you spurts. So I think this team can find a way for sure. But you cannot flip the switch off from the first half. No, I mean, it, you it, can't. Was too, it was too casual. Yeah, I agree. And this... I mean, United, of all the fucking teams, should know that you cannot be casual with what the the product that you've been putting out all year. Like, it's not good enough. You can't be casual. You need to stay in it for 90 fucking minutes. This time, they had to stay in it for 100 minutes, and they, they managed to get it, but it was an individual moment. You know, God forbid they don't have Kobe Minu. They have McTominay in there instead, and he did score as well, but... You know, not a not a lot of players are going to be able to make that individual run and then finish as nicely as he did. It's just not it's not something you can rely on every game. So Fergie time returned, but um, fuck man, I, I don't know. It's, it's a helter skelter every time I watch United for sure. Transfer wise, um, yeah. Wolves only brought in one player, eighteen year old PSG player, up and coming guy Noah. Noha Lamina, French, as well as from Gabon. Shout out to Aubameyang. Uh, United brought nobody in, but uh, Palestri was a deadline move. Loaned out to Granada in La Liga. As they cleaned out a lot of their team there. Van de Beek, Sancho, Hannibal, Gore, Carez, Palestria, and, and Regulon all gone. So the squad, like you mentioned, thinned out a bit. Yeah. Uh, all right. Should we, should we go to the picks? 
Yes, I haven't really looked into these. I didn't redo mine, so this is all going to be vibes check because. Oh, best and games. worst. Should we do best and worst? We forgot about that. Yeah, sorry, forgot. Yeah, there's there's a lot to pick from. Yeah, you could go with for all both right, here. Go, go ahead. Give me uh, give me your best. For my best player, I'm 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 really fighting between two, but I feel like I got to give it to this guy because we probably won't pick him again. I'm gonna go with Elijah Adebayo, Hattie for loot in. A big three points, a big showing against a Brighton team that is scary at times to come up against, but uh, a phenomenal performance, his first ever hat-trick in the Prem, potentially his only moving forward, but yeah, shout out to Adebayo there. Um, yeah, there is a lot of players we could pick this week. I am just going to give it to Kobe Mainu because that, that moment's going to be, I think, really, if United utilize it the right way, that, that one distinct moment in time, um, it's going to be a huge, could be a huge turning point. It's going to be a turning point in his career. It could be a huge turning point for the club, uh, you know, if they use it as inspiration in the right way. So I'll, I'll give it to him. Uh, honorable mention to Michael Olisse. Yeah, Olisse. You probably give it to Eze as well, but um, okay. And then worst player uh, of the week. Let me play the sound clip. I forgot to do it, but here we go. Who you got for your worst? Oh, wow. Can we give it to Pochettino, maybe? I was leaning more towards Ten Hag, but yeah, I think if you're not going <laughs> to say Poch, I think it's fair. I do. Um, <laughs> the way the team went out there, um, high on form, thinking we're all big shit, and getting absolutely humbled uh, by the big dog <laughs> is uh, is really sad. So, um it's going to be an ongoing thing now for the rest of the season. Potch out, potch out, potch out, and it's going to be brutal. Uh, all right, I'm going to give mine to Calvin Phillips. Hate to see this. Uh, I don't remember if I said last week that I thought Calvin Phillips could be a good player still, but I was thinking that, and when the move came in that he was going to West Ham, I was like, I'm really happy for him. He's going to get game time. He was such a, a fantastic player for Leeds. He's going to be really good. I think all of his confidence is gone. Um and I think West Ham maybe even win that game if he doesn't have that giveaway uh, within the first fucking two minutes of the game. So unfortunately, I got to give it to uh, to K Dog to Calvin Phillips. It's you hate to see it, but you know we got to be uh, fair and objective here. And that was uh, that was fucking piss poor. Low second for Matt Turner. Yeah, he's really shit as well. Um, it's crazy, man, because he had he really did have a decent World Cup. I, I really thought, you know, he did a, a solid enough job. Um, decent shot stopping. The one game he, he against, was that Iran or Wales? He was he was very good. Um, but, man, since he's gone into to Nottingham Forest, he's been shocking, man. Really bad. Um, yeah. All right, picks? Yep, let's run it. All right. Uh First game we have Saturday, February third at seven thirty a.m. Everton taking on Tottenham uh, at Goodison Park. Can't fade Spurs at the minute, so I'm going to go with Spurs. Yeah, I'm going to go Spurs as well. Uh, with Madison back, it just imbues a lot of confidence in when I pick these games. Everton at home, it's going to be critical now that they're in the bottom three. We're right back where we were last year. There's going to be so much pressure on these guys. 
to bail everybody out, especially the board and what they've been doing behind the scenes, having to bail them out year after year. It's going to be tough, but I think Spurs here. Richarlson returning home again could bite him in the ass. Uh, okay. Brighton versus Crystal Palace up next. Give this one to you. Who do you have here? The way Palace had to dig themselves out of a hole last, or sorry, a few days ago against Sheffield was tough. And I, I would like to believe Brighton are going to have a lot to, to say after their poor performance against Luton. Um, so I'm going to take Palace here. I think Brighton continued to plummet. And I think Elizane as a combo is just brutal right now to come up against. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Palace, I think. Uh, okay, Newcastle versus Luton. Uh, up next, this one's at 10 as well. We've got three games Saturday at 10. Uh, this is going to be a wild one, I think, from start to finish. I'm going to take a draw, I think. Um, Newcastle getting a result nobody expected last weekend. Same thing uh, with Luton. I'm going to take a draw. I think people are going to be too high on either side here, and I'm I'm kind of right in the middle, so uh, I'll stay in the middle. Draw. I'm just going to bank on the home team. I'm going to go with Newcastle. Isak's game-time decision. If he doesn't play, I'm assuming they're going to play Gordon at the nine with Almiron and Murphy on the wings. So that's going to be a bit of an issue. But still, I think I think they just have a little bit more there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Burnley versus Fulham. Uh, this one's you. Yikes. Yikes. Not giving me much here. Uh, Burnley really need this. They're seven back from safety. Fulham bit of a free fall there but i think i'm just gonna go with the draw okay uh i'm gonna take fulham i think they edge this one um hopefully you know you see a little bit out of raul jimenez i think they're probably gonna have Let's to see Broya. you're probably gonna have to rely on yeah either one seeing Broya or two maybe a moment of individual brilliance uh from the midfield uh or through uh willian but uh, i will take fulham burnley they've just been so poor up next, Sheffield United versus Villa. Uh, this one's pretty easy. I'm going to take Villa. They're due for one here after that uh, shock against Newcastle. So we'll go with uh, Villains. These guys did tie a couple a couple a couple weeks ago. Sorry, one one at Villa Park. Could be something similar with the way Sheffield come out of the blocks with that Brett Bremerton Diaz is is tough to beat, uh, especially down that right side. We'll see Cash or Konza out there, but. I think I'm going to have to go with the villains as well. Chalk pick. Uh, they need it really bad because only one win in their last five. Uh, this is a must-win game against the bottom team. Uh, okay. Um, then we have United versus West Ham. This one should be a fun watch. Who do you have here? This is going to be terrorist ball against terrorist ball. Um, I think West Ham on the road I like a little more. I don't know... Attacking-wise, what they're going to have, if it's what we saw today, it's going to be brutal. Um, I think I'm going to take United after the emotional finish. I think they're going to be on a big high, and I think they can capitalize on it. So I'm going to rock United. Okay. Uh, I am going to rock United as well, as much as I don't want to. Uh, Okay, Chelsea versus Wolves up next. Uh, gonna be really hard for me to say this, but I am going to pick Chelsea. Uh, they're gonna have to lock it down if they want to win here and make sure they defend against the counter. But they were so poor against Liverpool, I can't see it being that bad again. 
Um, maybe Poch will make some moves, maybe throw somebody else at striker like Nkunku, who you bought. Uh, I'll take Chelsea. We've only beaten Wolves once in our last six head-to-head, that being in uh, October 2022. That was 3-0. The last two we've lost both times by one goal. I'm going to go... My gut instinct is to pick Wolves. I don't have any faith in our team right now. I'd like to think Nkunku's going to start with Cole Palmer in behind, bench Gallagher, Rock Enzo, and Caicedo. Or maybe, I think maybe you go Gallagher and Caicedo. You get that pure energy. Yeah, like put two, Gallagher two, further back. I agree. Two dogs. And then Enzo can come off the bench and be that little spark. You need a little bit of ping in. Um, that would be what I would do. So I think I'm just going to go with a draw here. Just gonna sit in the middle, but we are a lot better at home. We won't, I think we've only lost three games this year at home in all comps, three or four. Yeah. Uh okay, Bournemouth versus Nottingham Forest up next. Uh Nottingham Forest, man, the defense is so poor. The level of talent back there is terrible. Turner's been terrible. They might not even play him. Um, I'm gonna take Bournemouth regardless of the situation. I agree. I'm gonna rock Bournemouth as well. Um the the amount of time it took for me to turn my opinion on them is sad, but I've really enjoyed watching them play, and they're very competitive in every game. So I'm going to go with them at home as well. Okay. Uh, man, this game. Arsenal versus Liverpool, Sunday, February 4th, 1130 uh, at the Emirates. This one is important. Um, it would bring Arsenal within two points uh, of Liverpool uh, if we were able to win the game. Unfortunately, I feel that I have to take a draw. I just cannot see this one going our way. Yeah, I'm fully on Liverpool here, the way they're just dismantling people right now. I would say the only hope Arsenal have is to be stronger in the midfield battles. Definitely. Declan Rice is going to be the key here, how he can break up the play from Zobazai connecting there with Jota dropping in deep as a shadow at times. Uh, if he plays an 8 out of 10, I think they win the game, but it's going to be really tough with Trent and Robbo probably back in the team as well, so I'm going to rock Liverpool. We just have to hope that there's an error back there and that we're able to capitalize on it. That's how we were able to kind of get the goal um, in the reverse fixture earlier on, right before Christmas, or actually that was, that might've been the day after Christmas. Um, you know, there was a man marking issue. We were able to score that header and then just lock it down. It somehow managed to take a point. I, uh, I'd bite your arm off for that, which I know you're not going to win the league with that. Unfortunately, we have to go all out. I'd probably rather lose 2-0 um, and have thrown everything forward uh, than I would, you know, get a 1-1. But uh, it's this game is going to be a really tough watch. It's going to be very stressful, I'm sure. Okay. Um, up next, we have our last game of the week, Brentford. Versus Manchester City. Um, B's going... Actually, it's home. Uh, so Brentford will be home. Um, this is where I would normally pick a draw or pick Brentford. I'm not doing that. I'm taking City. I think Holland will be back full stretch. Uh, and I think they're going to fucking batter Brentford. Man City, two losses to Brentford both last season. That that uh, last game of the se- last game of the year last season one 0 to Brentford then two one 
Brett Radford won at the Etihad. I don't see that happening. I think, yeah, Holland returns. It's going to be a big game for him. City going back to play how they used to, and I think it should be good with KDB. So I'm going to rock the citizens. Okay. Um, that is all from us uh, here at The Cutback. That was episode 231. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, make sure you check us out on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at the cutback underscore on Twitter and at the underscore cutback uh, on Instagram. We've been more active um, posting on IG, posting on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so make sure you're over there. Check us out. Um, kind of. Was, what's that? I was going to say one last thing. Jesse Lingard back in play. Where? In the K-League. Oh, in Korea? Yep. Really? Right, good for Lingard. Surely he could earn a starting job in a Premier League team. He he could be he would be cooking for Brentford, or at least all, or not all Brentford. Scores. Um, all schools has been roasting him on socials the past few weeks. <laughs> I saw that. So I saw that he made himself av- he, There was a thing that said he made himself available to Barcelona. And, yeah, and schools so had something did, to say. I did that. too. Yeah, yeah. I, too. <laughs> I, I thought that was. I thought that was fucking good. Um, that's funny. Uh, All right. Yeah. Check us out where I just told you to check us out. Like, subscribe, uh, review. uh, That kind of stuff really helps us. And we will be back uh, next week. In the meantime, enjoy the weekend of games. Premier League football is fully back upon us. We've got uh, Champions League starting here again soon enough. Um, Thank goodness we're through pretty much through AFCON and through uh, all of the international breaks and whatnot. Uh, And we will see you soon. Take care, guys.